Welcome to Street Knowledge with Chris Graham. History made in Virginia this week uh, with Democrats uh, winning control by slim margins in both the House of Delegates and State Senate. And uh, let's let's examine the fallout uh, across the landscape here. Chris Graham, Augusta Free Press. The first bit of fallout and the most significant, certainly, Republican Governor Glenn Youngkin is almost certainly done as a, a, a effective politician. Uh, he had been staking a possible 11th hour candidacy for the 2024 Republican nomination on his ability to to uh, lead Republicans to wins in the state legislative races this year, uh, committed a lot of money, raised a lot of money uh, towards that effort and came up short. Uh, and so uh, Youngkin um, will spend his last two years in Richmond uh, and, and I, I, with authority, say last two years, because in Virginia, of course, governors can't run for reelection. He'll have to work with a Democratic uh, state Senate, Democratic House to get anything done. That's not unusual in Virginia. Uh, Mark Warner, Tim Kaine both uh, faced uh, as Democrats had to face working with uh, Republican legislatures. Uh, uh, Ralph Northam, first two years of his term uh, as governor, uh, he had to work with a Republican legislature. Jerry McAuliffe had to do the same thing as a Democrat. So. Uh, it's it's not it's not a rare thing for Democrats to have to do, but you will see what Glenn Youngkin is able to do in his last two years um, uh, as a bipartisan governor. He'll have to be a bipartisan governor if he wants to get anything done. But uh, uh, any any idea that he can swivel from this and, and run for for president uh, is out the window at this stage. And uh, you know you you look at. Um, uh, the the numbers going into the election cycle, Democrats had a twenty two eighteen advantage in the Senate. They they leave with a twenty one nineteen. Now, the numbers about the advantages going in were almost moot. The uh, uh, state legislative districts were redrawn in December of twenty twenty one based on the twenty twenty census, and for the first time in Virginia political history, uh, the redistricting was done on a nonpartisan basis. And so uh, a number of uh, incumbents, both on Republican and Democratic sides in both the state Senate and the House of Delegates uh, were were effectively uh, legislated out of their districts, redistricted out of their districts uh, here locally for us. Emin Hanger, a state senator who had served since the mid 1990s, was among them who had been uh, uh, removed basically from office just for that reason. He decided not to run for a seat because his uh, his home uh, is is in a district uh, that included another Republican incumbent, Mark Openshane, uh, and and Hanger decided not to challenge uh, um, Openshane for uh, that nomination in that district. Openshane swept to victory in the uh, in his Senate race, in his Senate run. So, but a 22-18 advantage turned into a 22 or 21-19 for Democrats. Now, uh, Republicans had a 52-48 advantage in the House going into Tuesday. And Democrats uh, end up with a 51-49 advantage. So the House flips to uh, Democratic control. Uh, we had a two-year, brief two-year run where Democrats had both the House of Delegates and State Senate uh, the last two years of the Northam administration. That was the first time in maybe since the 1990s. I'd have to, have to go back and verify that. But uh, uh, that Democrats had both houses. Uh, and 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 that was also then coinciding with Democrats having the governorship for those two years. So uh, the last couple of years, Republicans uh, have worked uh, with a Republican governor, House of Delegates, have worked to undo a lot of what Democrats did in those two years. So we'll see how these next two years play out in terms of 
uh, policy. Uh, that'll be interesting. And that'll be a major storyline that we'll be covering, uh, you know, especially coming up uh, in the next well, in the next few weeks uh, with the General Assembly. Our part-time General Assembly meets uh, from January to March. Uh, this, this will be a budget year. So uh, with a two-year annual budget, uh, biannual budget cycle, uh, it'll be a little bit longer of a, of a session, but uh, uh, legislators will be heading back to Richmond uh, for meetings in the next few weeks. And then, of course, uh, the pre-filing of bills will be done. And so, yeah, we'll get a sense of how things are going to go in this new era in Richmond uh, here pretty soon. Um, but Virginia voters, uh, you know, Glenn Youngkin, st st he, he said the quiet part out loud. Uh, there, there were a lot of indications uh, fr from Youngkin and, and uh, uh, Republican candidates that they were going to back uh, a more st strict uh, abortion uh, uh, restrictions, I guess. And uh, uh, that was a, a big topic uh, on that side going in, you know, going through this, this 2023 cycle and Democrats ran successfully against that. That's the only way you can put this. Um the, the Youngkin had had teased a 15 week abortion um, restriction, uh, but also had signaled that he'd be willing to to sign any piece of legislation on abortion that came across his desk. And a number of Republican candidates were talking about total outright bans, uh, mirror, uh, mir mirroring uh, efforts by Republicans in, in other southern states. Virginia now is the is the wall, <laughs> if you want to say, on reproductive rights uh, in the South, uh, the, the the one the one state that. That uh, has not since the in the aftermath of the Dobbs decision overturning Roe v. Wade, that has not gone uh, haywire uh, on on re reproductive rights. So, um, you know, as far as Glenn Youngkin's future, uh, I mean, again, as a term limited governor, and that's the case in Virginia, you get one term. Uh, you know, his his out was a chance to run for for president. That's out the window at this stage. Virginia still has two Democratic U.S. senators in Mark Warner and Tim Kaine, who don't appear to be ready to retire anytime soon. Uh, Warner was reelected in, in 2020. Uh, he's up again in 2026. Tim Kaine is up for reelection next year in 2024. Uh, unlikely that uh, we'll see Glenn Youngkin mount a campaign there. That would be, to me, that'd be his really only chance. Uh, I don't know that going up against Mark Warner makes a lot of sense for him. So that's probably it for, for Glenn Youngkin. Uh, and uh, as far as um, uh, <laughs> there was a there was a funny memo that I had to write about yesterday, his uh, Youngkin's hack um, executive director, uh, Dave Rexford, actually a guy with Valley Toss. He's a like I am a graduate of Wilson Memorial High School in Augusta County. Dave got his uh, I don't know if it was a start in politics, but I know he worked for Bob Goodlatte, the former sixth district. Republican congressman who had been in, you know, representing the sixth district in Congress for quite a long time. Dave is now the uh, executive director of Youngkin Spirit of Virginia PAC. And he put a memo out on Wednesday that, uh, man, it just, you know, it, it's it's one of those things where the the effort was made to try to spin losing both the House and Senate in a positive way. Hey, we gained in the in the Senate was one uh, one talking point from Rex Road, and we got 49 seats in the House, even though the districts were against us. And to be honest, yes, the the districts were uh, the new the new districts in the nonpartisan redistricting, according to the 2022 votes. Uh, and this was an analysis from from the Virginia uh, Public Access Project. Uh, there was a slight lean 
uh, when the the VPAP looked at districts, uh, their voting patterns in 2022, uh, in the House, for example, it was a 48-45 advantage for Democrats in terms of districts that were either five points or more in favor of Democrats or five points or more in favor of Republicans. There were only seven competitive districts really out of those 100 seats, uh, and, and Democrats did have a 48-45 advantage going in. Uh, but that was on the 2022 cycle. And in the, in the, when you looked at the 2021 analysis, it was it was certainly closer to 50 50. Uh, and then on the Senate side, uh, I think it was a 2016 advantage on those five points either way for Democrats uh, with four open seats. But again, that was based on 2022 numbers. Uh, you know, if when you looked at those numbers, you had to say, you know, depending on which team you root for. Um, do we have a 2021 electorate or a 2022 electorate? And a 2023 cycle, I mean, the the, the midterm for Virginia uh, in state elections is is a really tough one because, you know, the governor's year in 20, you know, the, for us, 2021, 2025, you know, there's all that attention that comes from the top. Um, and, uh, you know, we're all people are so focused on who's going to run for governor, win the governor's race. That uh, there's a lot, there's there's naturally a lot more media attention, public attention, social media attention uh, in a governor's year, same as it is at the national level when there's a presidential race getting all of our attention. Just as is as the case at the federal level, within the midterms between the two uh, presidential cycles, uh, voter turnout's a lot less because your attention is spread out. Uh, you know, some districts, like the districts in, where where I live in the Shenandoah Valley in Waynesboro specifically. Not there. There aren't competitive races, and there's a number of of uh, you know, as I mentioned, there were you know of in the House ninety three out of hundred, and the Senate thirty six out of forty that aren't competitive uh, seats. So, uh, if you live in one of the eleven total seats, uh, one, eleven areas, and and there's even overlap in in those areas between the House of Delegates and Senate, you're going to get a lot of attention. But for the rest of us, not a lot of attention. So not a lot of uh, you know a lot of, a lot of interest in votes. It can be tougher in those midterm cycles to get turnout, to get interest. Uh, and um, so, I mean, we, we certainly see that. And the Republicans and Democrats then thus, uh, you know, their focus is, do we have a 2022 cycle? Or do we have a 2021 cycle? And um, I think we had a mix, certainly a lot more of 2022 for Democrats. And I think, uh, you know, Democrats did a great job of of playing the abortion issue to their advantage. And that, that issue is not going to go away. Uh, you know, Virginia being a, a potential bellwether for for, you know, with our midterms and now going into the 2024 federal cycle, presidential cycle, uh, the Dobbs decision is not going to be overturned. Uh, Republic, Republicans for for a couple of generations uh, teased their voters with we will overturn Roe v. Wade, but but really didn't make a lot of effort to do so, knowing that overturning Roe v. Wade would lead to. What we're seeing, at least not just in Virginia, Ohio, a a state gerrymandered uh, to be a supermajority Republican state, uh, voted on Tuesday uh, by a 15 point margin to add an amendment to the state constitution protecting the right to a, a reproductive freedom to abortion. Uh, that's that's saying an awful lot. Uh, Kentucky reelected a Democratic governor. Kentucky, which went 20 points plus for Donald Trump in 2020, uh, re-elected a, uh, a Democratic governor, um, and the abortion issue played a significant role there. Even down in Mississippi, the Democrat uh, Brandon Presley uh, lost by five points in Mississippi to the Republican incumbent governor, 
um, there. So uh, abortion, once again, abortion and healthcare issues down there being really big issues. So even though the Democrat lost, making Mississippi competitive shows that, uh, you know, this the, the what you see in polls, you know, and we, we've all heard a lot this week about uh, Joe Biden not faring well in a recent New York Times poll. Um, it's it's kind of, you know, saying that that means he's going to lose in 2024 is kind of like saying, well, um, you know, Chris, Chris, Chris's preview of the Virginia football game says that Virginia is going to win. Therefore, they've already won. Uh, you know, no, it's the, it's the difference between a preview. We have actual election results that tell us uh, something that uh, makes uh, the rendering of 2024 a lot more complicated, certainly. Um than uh, than I think the media was letting on this week. Uh, one other bit of news, and then we'll get out of here uh, on the politics realm. Uh, one thing about this midterm cycle uh, in Virginia, we know, of course, that it leads into 20, you know, into the presidential cycle, but then also it starts the clock ticking towards the next gubernatorial. Uh, and with these results being what they are, uh, Democrats taking control again of both the House and Senate, um, rendering the Republican incumbent in this case a lame duck, um, the the attention turns to 2025. And, you know, I, I, I found it interesting, wrote a column about uh, comments made by two people who I think will be top candidates uh, for the Democratic gubernatorial nomination in 2025, uh, getting their victory laps on 2023, Abigail Spanberger and Jennifer McClellan. Now, we know uh, that Spanberger, who is a Democrat who represents the 7th District in Congress, uh, is is has been gearing up for a few months towards making a run at that 2025 Democratic nomination for governor uh, and to a point where she has uh, been telling people that she's not going to run for re-election to Congress next year. Um, Jennifer McClellan just won election to Congress. She was elected, uh, I believe it was in it was early this year. I think it was in January, January, February, uh, to fill out the term of Donald McEachin. McEachin was reelected last November, but but uh, died of cancer uh, shortly after the election, I believe, in December. And um, so McClellan, a longtime member of the House delegates, state senator, uh, was elected in the 4th District. Um, she ran for the governor nomination on the Democratic side in 2021, came up short to Terry McAuliffe. Uh, wouldn't surprise me that that uh, we'll see her um, perhaps back in the mix in 2025. And so um, they both put out dueling statements, kneecapping, uh, uh, um, uh, kneecapping, uh, Youngkin. I was getting ready to say McAuliffe, but Terry McAuliffe, who won the nomination in 2021, kneecapped himself. He, he ran one of the worst campaigns you can possibly imagine in 2021, which is why we have Glenn Youngkin as governor of Virginia. But uh yeah, I think that we're going to see, uh, you know, we're going to see some attention being given. The next year in Virginia politics, very interesting. Tim Kaine has to run for re-election to the Senate. We have to see if if any uh, viable Republican candidates emerge. Uh, you know, there's it's it's been pretty quiet on the Republican side the last few months, but uh, I would expect that to ratchet up. I think we'll start seeing a lot of attention on 2025 uh, from candidates, not just for governor, but then for lieutenant governor and attorney general on both sides. And then, of course, I mean, <laughs> not without even having to be mentioned, right, the presidential race. Uh, so a lot to come up uh, in, in in the political uh, sphere. Uh, and um, that's that's one thing about Virginia. 
because we live in a state that has uh, odd year state elections, there's always an election in Virginia to keep our attention. Uh, for people like me, politics junkies, that's not a bad thing. Uh, if you have anything that you would like me to look at, any questions for me, any story tips, anything like that, please email me at chris at augustafreepress.com.